2: Life is a canvas. Listen as Dr. Allison R. Tendler and her guests paint the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and business leaders on her podcast, The Art of Seeing Clearly. Through insightful questions and thought-provoking conversation, Allison and her guests explore the essence of what it means to truly experience life, business, entrepreneurship, love, success, and even failure through a clearer lens.
1: Hey everyone, I'm your host, Dr. Allison R. Tendler, board certified ophthalmologist, surgeon, owner, and CEO of Art Vision and Artisan Skin and Laser Center. I literally get to work every day to help people see better on the 2020 eye chart. But true clarity in life and in business often requires a slightly different kind of vision. I happen to have a passion for learning how other entrepreneurs and leaders find their clarity, and I want to share with you some of their secrets to success. Joanna Mickle and John Kinstead are partners in business and in life. Married for 12 years, the couple has taken their passions for the outdoors, cooking, and carpentry, and translated into For Rest Retreat. Located in beautiful Selmo, British Columbia, this 54-acre property offers guests an opportunity to hike, Bike and snowshoe on over two miles of trails, as well as participate in a variety of health and wellness activities. The property features two great guest cabins, soon to be three, a 30 foot yurt, plentiful camping space, a zen garden, and much more. Plans are also underway to add additional tents and cabins, including one built on the back platform of an old truck. Joe and John, welcome to the art of seeing clearly. So, John, You have a connection to South Dakota, so that happens to be what state I'm in and where I'm from. So you grew up actually here in Sioux Falls. Um, What about you, Joe?
0: (laughs) Well, I came from uh, until I was 10. I grew up in a really tiny town in Yoho National Park in British Columbia that most people probably haven't heard of. It's called Field, BC. Okay. And it's... um,
1: So you're Canadian, born and bred. Yeah. Yeah. All right.
0: Yeah. And then uh, from there, we moved to Banff, which most people have heard of. Um, Terrible and, uh, place.
1: Just just who'd want to go to Banff? Right. I don't understand. <laughs> oh, nice to have your childhood there.
0: Yeah, it was a very a God's
1: God's country.
0: Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, my dad was a park ranger or park warden. We call them here. Okay. And so grew up in the parks. And then, uh, yeah, that's where I grew up. Sort of moved all over to different mountain towns from there.
1: Wow. And so you guys, how'd you guys come to be together?
0: We met in Colorado.
1: Colorado. Okay. And yeah. you guys lived there from some time. John, what had brought you to Colorado?
0: Uh, yeah, I moved to Colorado
2: when I was 20. Okay. After uh, dropping out of school at SDSU, okay. I wanted to, I aspired to be a ski bum. So I moved to Colorado and spent a lot of time. In Did you Seattle.
1: succeed at being a ski bum?
2: I like to think so. It's, <laughs> it's uh, it definitely held my interest more than than uh, academia at that point. OK, so, yeah, that was that was a priority, which I, I felt like it was something I needed to do. And, and so that was the draw. And, and I did it. So and then after many years of, I don't know, 14 or so years of living in Colorado, Joe and I connected.
1: OK. And Joe, what had what brought you down to Colorado? <laughs> um, oh oh they both smiled i'm not sure what that means. <laughs> I can't wait to hear the answer
0: well i was uh married before and i okay. went down there um, okay for that reason so uh yeah we awesome met in Lago, colorado
1: ah had john gotten out of his ski bum days by that time
0: mm, no we were both kind of ski bums kind when of ski we bums you bike right. bums yeah still uh, so, I a full-time job
2: but but uh <laughs> i mean the whole thing about being in colorado is being quite lifestyle driven
1: is to be outdoors and and live that lifestyle yeah. yeah so you both definitely share that passion of being in the outdoors nature um uh, does that have anything to do with why you're where you're at now and what you're doing
0: absolutely yeah um i had been wanting to buy land in this area of BC for quite some time. Uh, My goal has always been to have enough properties to build trails. Ah. And um, so I had the property when we met already and uh, convinced John to, move to a different country.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So So, tell me a little bit about uh, Salmo. So you guys are near the town of Salmo by, I believe, the Salmo River as well. So where exactly is that located from the United States? What might be a close city so that our listeners just have an idea of where you're at and located geographically?
2: Yep, for sure. We're about two and a half hours north of Spokane, Washington.
1: And how far maybe from Banff? If people might know where that's at. We're six
2: hours from Banff, Alberta. Okay. Which basically we're geographically pretty well centered between Calgary, Alberta and Vancouver, BC.
1: Okay. Oh, so what does the landscape look like where you're at? What, give us, give us a picturesque view in words.
2: Yes. Well, looking out our windows from our living room here in every direction, you can see mountains. So we're, we're surrounded by, by decent-sized mountains, heavily forested, um, lots of, mm. of coniferous trees, cedar trees, fir, larch trees, but then also some aspen and birch trees. And that just makes a nice mix of color in, in every season, really. Um, and then lots of rivers. This is a, a huge, huge watershed, so there's lots of um, rivers and lakes, and uh, it's it's just it's a pretty magical landscape. Mm.
1: Wow. And you talked uh, Joe earlier about wanting to buy enough land to be able to have trails. Now you do have trails located on your property. So yep. is that, is that all encompassed within your property now? Has your dream manifested itself?
0: Uh, it is. It's, it has, it's in the process, I would say, but uh-huh. um, I've built over three kilometers. So I guess that's a couple miles of trails on our property and got some more flags so when the snow melts i'll be back up there adding to the network
1: okay so like how do you build a trail just <laughs> like what does that like did you ever think like hey i'm gonna grow up someday and i'm gonna build a trail like tell, <laughs> what does that take that takes See. I,
0: I don't know why i decided i wanted to do that but i guess i've always loved trails and they've always been a huge part of my life um just growing up in the parks there's trails everywhere. And Mm -hmm. I was a hiking guide for several years and just, you know, I guess it's a passion. Um, and then, yeah, the building is its own thing. I, it's almost like meditation for me. Like I go out Mm -hmm. there with just hand tools and use three or four different tools. And, uh, I spend a lot of time bushwhacking and flagging first and making a route and then just start scraping in the dirt and see where it goes. (laughs)
1: So how far do you get on a trail on a given you know day that you're gonna spend doing that? That takes a lot of physical effort, but I know by doing physical effort, it can also be mentally rewarding. But how mm-hmm. how long does it physically take to build a trail?
0: <laughs> For me, one person by myself, <laughs> uh, you know, it depends on the terrain. A lot because uh, it's a mixture of you know we have so much forest here so it's really bushy too because we have a lot of growth so in the really bushy areas you know i could spend four hours and just go like i don't know five feet <laughs> <laughs> or six feet yeah. but some days it's, it's a lot more it really depends
1: well that's and, and, and besides Building this retreat and bushwhacking and creating trails. You guys both are fully employed elsewhere. Is that correct? Yes. So, so what what is does your quote unquote other day job entail?
2: Um, my day job, I work for a prefab uh, construction company. We build okay. custom homes, and in a in an indoor shop situation, and then pack them up and ship them off to be yeah. built on site. Okay. So it's. It's a little bit uh, higher end, uh, more precise um, building methodology. And then I'm a carpenter and shop manager. So I spend a little time with the tools. I spend a little time in front of the computer project managing. And so I kind of see that as the best of both worlds for my skill set. For your skills, that's,
1: well, and I'll have some questions based upon that and, and in relation to your property too. And for you, Joe? um
0: i also do website design and development from home and that allows me to be here because we have the two soon to be 3 rentals that i clean and well um, and work. for
1: our listeners too, go on and, and look at their website it is it's a fantastic website so you did a really good job yeah.
0: thanks yeah <laughs> so
1: how does the like commercial grade kitchen that you happen to have Um and we'll we'll talk about that. Where does that come in? Who has the passion for that? For cooking, Uh, for culinary skills. (laughs) Okay. So that's you as well. John, I can see you kind of smiling that it wasn't you. (laughs) Not so much. Not so much. Okay. I
0: reap the rewards. I reap the benefits.
1: So is that your background too?
0: Yeah, it is. My background. Yeah. Yeah. I've been the lodge chef in different places. And um yeah, different cooking jobs all over. And before this, I had a wood-fired pizza oven that I take to festivals and weddings on a trailer. <laughs> and so now our the oven is on our property. And so we do events in the summer and sell wood-fired pizza. So that's mainly what it's for and, and other things. What's
1: your favorite thing to create in your kitchen that John gets to enjoy?
0: I probably the pizza. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, wood-fired
0: pizza <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: is pretty spectacular.
1: Oh, phenomenal. Now, your guests um, can partake in, you know, there's so many things going on at your location. Tell me about some of the, you know, yes, there's places to stay. So, you've got uh, two current, uh, I'll say, houses or cabins. Is one of those the one where it's on the on the truck?
2: soon to be that's the soon Soon to be be. that's the third
1: one yeah you guys should go on and look at this truck uh cabin it's pretty it's pretty stellar so you've got those two soon to be three and then you've got the yurt do you guys live in one of those or did you in the past
2: yeah we lived in the the yurt it's a 30 foot diameter yurt Uh, modern canvas walls And a wood substructure that holds it all up. Um, Yeah, it's 30 foot diameter, 700 square feet. We lived in that for seven years um, off grid. So with no electricity, except for a solar system, solar power system, and then uh, a generator on occasion. So we did that for seven years or six years before we got power in the seventh year. And then we moved into our house shortly after that.
1: And what was your role in creating these structures for living and for guests? I mean, John, um, you are you are a carpenter, so how does that yeah. come into play?
2: Yeah, I'm. I guess I'm lead builder, organizer, uh, <laughs> ditch, ditch digger. Yeah, I, 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 I guess I can say I, I built almost everything on this property except for the historic log cabin. the The, the land was basically empty for. Um, except for this 1960s or so built log cabin that okay. is is our first accommodation that we created. Um, so I built and assembled the yurt and the house and all the outbuildings. And yeah, it's it's you know it's my passion. And uh, I'm, I always joke I'm like a um, a serial builder. It's always like if I don't have something to project on and build mm-hmm. and create, I, I start to get a little antsy and anxious Mm -hmm. so which means that
1: which means that your property might only grow in (laughs) the in structures (laughs) as as he needs more more to do any current projects you guys are working on
2: yeah the the uh the the third accommodation um building out this truck we bought a 1967 international uh lodestar it's a flat deck truck um so it's got a a bed that's eight feet wide by 15 feet long and Uh, just the perfect size to build a, a tiny house on. So I wanted to build something unique that would be a big draw for people to, you know, stay in a different sort of structure. Um, and, you know, if you follow any, if you look at social media, there's always a, a myriad of of unique tiny homes and I wanted to take a crack at my own. Mm-hmm. So we we found a cool truck and pulled it in here and I started building and we're probably three quarters the way through that build. So I'm hoping by April we can uh, open it up to the public and, and uh, start getting, getting people in here to experience that.
1: So we've been talking a lot about both of you and kind of how you got to where you are, but I haven't asked you like, why, like, why, (laughs) what, what spurned the idea? What was the passion to turn this piece of property um, to grow it into a space uh, as a retreat for others?
0: In a way, I'd have to say it's kind of an organic thing. Like, I don't remember when I didn't want to do something like this. <laughs> uh, it's just always sort of been calling. Yeah. Had and you had uh,
1: similar experiences somewhere else that you wanted to bring that to a location for yourself? or, Because or, I do believe in those those. Those intuitions, those
0: callings, those things that just kind of push you. So,
1: how do you feel? Um, Like, yeah, life got you there.
0: I mean, I think it's yeah, an accumulation of life experience and wanting to live in the mountains. Um, No, well, I you know I've always lived in the mountains, so I can't imagine not living in the mountains. And this particular area drew me the first time I came to visit. Uh, It's got a longer growing season for gardening and. It's uh, warmer here than, you know, Bamford. where I grew up. Okay. It still has mountains, tons of trails, lots to do. And uh, it, the business in particular. Um, yeah, I mean, in college, I went into outdoor recreation parks and tourism. So it was sort of. Wanting to do something in that area, but after quite a few years of guiding, needing to settle down and on a you know in a place and place to call home. So, but still wanting the space in the mountains. So I guess that's just all Mm -hmm. part of the process for me.
1: What about taking that for you and creating that as a retreat for others? What you know? What's the mission to bring this place as a place for others?
0: Yeah, that is definitely the mission here. It's just, I mean, we could talk a lot about this, I guess, but in a nutshell, yeah. uh, um, you know, trying to make our community a better place and have offerings and have a place for people to reset and to be around nature and share what we have here. Because uh, I know that we are fortunate to have this, but a lot of people live in cities and, and need to be out in space and we're just trying to provide.
1: Yeah. That. Well you I mean you could have done that you know you could have moved to this piece of land, built mm-hmm. a home or two or a cabin and just done this and been there yourselves. You know yeah. had your gardens. I mean you could have done yeah. that alone. So I was like my I really wanted to know what the bigger calling was like why'd you decide to turn this into something more than just mm-hmm. something for you two.
2: Yeah. Just- I, th- I think we've we've both always been very lifestyle driven. Mm-hmm. And in that trying to be a part of the bigger community, mm-hmm. that's part of it, creating opportunities for people to experience this kind of lifestyle. I, I feel like when we get visitors and you start chatting, they're they're just so blown away with what we have that we have all this space, and that you know we've chosen to to live in a place less based on career and ma- more based mm-hmm. on recreational opportunities and lifestyle uh, mm-hmm. hard lifestyle choices. and so, Mm-hmm. I didn't really realize it then but starting to realize it now that that people are drawn to that people want to come and visit these places where the lifestyle is so different and and the, the bigger picture of where we live in British Columbia this region called the Kootenays has always been a counterculture draw for people mm-hmm. of people who you know they choose to be here because they're they love the mountains they they love the rivers they love the skiing and Oh, so
1: are you guys still ski bums then?
2: Yeah. (laughs) Not ski bums in the, maybe the way we were when we were in our 20s. Yeah, definitely not. (laughs) We have full-time jobs and we ski once or twice a week, as opposed to like back in the day, I think we, I would ski four or five, six days a week. (laughs) But yeah, it's, I see it as a a life. This is a lifestyle experience.
1: I uh, was listening to something the other day and it was talking about, um, this gentleman who goes around the world and trying to find quiet spaces so he you know however he measures the quietness of an area and one area happened to be a desert somewhere that he could find and there's no air traffic there's no anything and that reminded me of of possibly what you know people coming to a retreat might be looking for it's it, yes you might have trees and birds and those kind of things but still it's that sense of quiet that we don't Often get in our days, and I could see that being a draw for someone just to like truly get away,
0: yeah, truly
1: break free and and find their. I always find nature to find a sense of self in in nature, Mm -hmm. and I don't know. I find it so rewarding and gratifying. So that's that was just interesting that that quiet space. So how long is your retreat been open?
0: Uh, About just over a year. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. And anything that surprised you so far about trying to run and manage this retreat from an entrepreneurial standpoint? They're smiling at each other, everybody.
0: <laughs> as they so look me. at each other. Like, hmm.
2: It's better to be smiling at each other than a grimace, yes. a scowl. I think the biggest things are the less Dramatic and interesting, um, you know the bureaucracy Mm. of Ah. government, the bureaucracy of paperwork, of of insurance, you know the back end Mm. of business,
1: kind of the the business aspect of all of it, or the politics of business. Yeah,
2: yeah. I I mean, you know, it's it's exciting to talk about, you know, what the concepts and the products and the things you're gonna provide but then on the back end it's like the nuts and bolts of like keeping uh, the lights on and you know yeah. paying the permits and and the cost of doing business of of insurance and and so I, I think those are always like oh wow I didn't anticipate it was gonna be that take that long or cost mm-hmm. that much yeah.
0: you know. I'd, yeah I'd say that sorry to interrupt the commercial kitchen <laughs> was one of the bigger projects that Maybe in the beginning, I was like, oh, we'll just put in this commercial kitchen. But no,
1: and then so, so what, did, that. what did that mean um down the road of trying to put a commercial kitchen in? Because I can imagine regulations and there, this yeah. has to be this this way and this far from this and this exhaust fan mm-hmm. has to go here. I, I'm just imagining. Yeah, it, that's
0: part of it for sure. The biggest part is the water because we're on a well. So we mm-hmm. had to when we dug our well, we had to get a special screening that preemptively and then we have a system um, that we got installed that's you know huge (laughs) for the small kitchen it is we had to install a really big water filtration system so that was sort of the biggest surprise i I think
2: it's the the differences between putting a commercial kitchen in a residence and on a residential property as Mm -hmm. opposed to putting a commercial kitchen in a in a commercial building in a city where Mm -hmm. you have city infrastructure Mm -hmm. and and really like you know it's it's less it's less common for um government agencies to deal with the person who wants to put one in their residential property as opposed to like okay we're setting up a brick and mortar restaurant and Mm -hmm. and they're they're used to that kind of situation they're less used to like yeah people doing this in their their home
1: yeah that's a really interesting point i could kind of you know uh put an umbrella around that for a lot of other businesses. You've got to, you know, I was trying to think of an entrepreneurial small business. You've got this passion, you've got this desire, you know what you want to do. And then I think we're all going to run into some red tape of things like, ugh, I didn't realize I needed to do that. Um, I could say that even in my medicine world. Um, it's mm. like, oh, didn't realize that needed to happen. And this leads to this. And, um, but that's also, you'll you'll know for the next time, right? You, yeah. you got to-
2: I think that's it's, a, it's all part of the process. I mean it is. Yeah. I think that's the hybrid nature of the way business is going, you know with the pandemic post pandemic where people are working from home and people are rethinking how they start businesses. you know, you can start a business out of your home, whether it's mm-hmm. you know manufacturing small widgets or working from home as a web developer. but but then when it transcends into this like a physical thing, it, it sort of changes the dynamic of how how you navigate those other those other bureaucracies.
0: Yeah, we sh- we threw the insurance companies for a loop. They're like, we don't know what to do with you.
1: <laughs> yeah, sometimes when you, it, it, you know, as an entrepreneur as well, if you're doing something that's a little bit out of the box of the norm, um, yeah. you do run into roadblocks of like, they just don't know what to do with what you're bringing them. And mm-hmm. so sometimes you just get told no, because it's like, well, we don't have a program, a process for that. So in my world, it's an insurance company just saying, nope, we're not gonna do that. And how do you have recourse often against against such a big entity? Anything else that you went against and you like, like, hey, we came out we came out better for that, or any challenge you weren't able to overcome that you're so far like, yeah, we're still waiting on that.
0: Not really. I mean Awesome. We're trying to do it more slowly, rather than jumping in and doing a whole bunch and trying to get, you know, investors and all that. So really, we're just, in a way, it's kind of nice. It's been growing organically as we can afford it, and you know, it. So we're we don't have these massive things that all of a sudden, you know, are being built. It's like doing it slowly. So that's been nice. It's not overwhelming for us. So. Yeah, I like that.
1: so it's kind of been at at your pace. What do you guys yeah. personally find the most rewarding about this venture?
2: I find, I guess, I find like it really gratifying to see Joe's vision come to to be come to fruition, and I love seeing her enthusiasm for it. You know, she's been talking about this basically since we met, and and you know, it's taken. <laughs> A lot of time and and things didn't happen as fast initially as she wanted but it's it's fun to see her get excited about it all and uh, another aspect too being the people we interact with and the, and the people we host i it's almost like vicariously travel traveling through other people like you know we haven't been able to travel as extensively as we would like so when we get tourists coming visitors coming we've had folks who are are uh Iranian um immigrants and they came here to experience this part of b c and they yeah. included us in their meals and shared the cultural aspects and it's just mm. like like you know it would be pretty uncommon for North Americans to get to travel to Iran, so them being here and being so open like that that's mm-hmm. one that one that's really stuck with me and and, yeah. and other like other um canadian immigrants polish polish families yeah. and
0: Yeah. Yeah. People from all over. And for me, it's been a great journey too. just to to watch John build all these things. (laughs) It's like a miracle (laughs) watching him, you know, create it's like art, but you know.
1: Yeah. It's a um, different, a different form of, of art. You both, whether you're, you know, truly making that trail, you could say that's a form of an art Mm -hmm. looking at what, the landscape is what tools you have and how do you, how do you create that um, Mm -hmm. to meet your needs? I always say we're, you know, I'm not an artist in a traditional sense and um, uh, with a canvas and paint, but what I get to do is artistry in a different way um, Mm -hmm. just with different, different tools, different paint brushes. If you, if you could put it that way and it sounds, I, yeah, I mean, carpentry is an art uh, by Mm -hmm. far. So being able to, and there's, there's art, there's math, there's science, there's all of this stuff combined. Do you feel like, which one of you is the the very detail orientated person? Do you have that within you? I mean, you're working together as a couple on a business. Is yeah. one of you like the creative and one's the like, I'm the get it done detail person? I think
0: we both have a pretty good element of get it done, but right. I would say John is definitely more of the detail person um, in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm definitely the more creative, less detailed person <laughs> of the two of us. <laughs> yeah,
2: but the, you know, there's details within each of. I think of our mm-hmm. our gifts or our disciplines. You know, yeah. in your food creation and mm-hmm. and the the concepts of the workshops you create, like there's mm-hmm. a lot of detail within planning and organizing that. And I, yeah, I'm a detail person, as it you know, in regards to the the buildings I create and the Mm -hmm. complexity of the different systems within that, you know, that's what's cool is we've settled into these Mm -hmm. skills that we each have that are ultimately very complementary to creating a business like this. so.
1: So being married and working together as not only are you entrepreneurs on your own business, you've got other businesses you're also working within, but any secrets you have between you two, like how, how would somebody else in your position, like navigate the roles that both of you have to play? Like any like secret words of wisdom that, that might help somebody else. Uh,
0: pick your battles, <laughs> open communication, trust. Yeah.
2: Trust, trusting your partner and their, mm. their vision.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And when I say pick your battles, you know, it's like, yes, John, go create that truck. That is beautiful. And it's all yours. And I'll just, you know, I'll clean it when people say it, (laughs) 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 but I don't need to be like, you know, trying to figure out the details of what he's doing and vice versa. So I think that, you know, it's been a there's been growing pains and we've had to work through some of that stuff, but um, we're definitely at a point where we can do that and just not what have are to. Some,
1: what are some of the, the um, changes that you guys had to make within your life as it was in order to make this life happen?
2: But and still travel. changing, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Being, uh, being a bit more grounded is, as staying in one staying in one place okay okay for a longer period of time i mean historically we would have been much more inclined to like take long periods of time off and go travel you know out of off the continent or elsewhere um yeah i i feel like i'm like in that most productive time period of my life Mm -hmm. so giving up that some of those other things for now for the sake of building something that we feel passionate about. Yeah. It's kind of the place we're at.
1: Mm. I think that's I think that's beautiful. You do. If you're gonna as they say, if you're gonna say yes to one thing, you sometimes have to say no to another, although it might just be temporarily too, because sometimes some something else amazing takes its place. Absolutely. So what um, skills or lessons would you hope to instill um in your son regarding being an entrepreneur and going for it?
0: I think you said it right there is like, go for it. If you have <laughs> something you want to do, you know, you're going to get it done. You just have to get past that part. Like the first step is always the hardest I'd say, but mm-hmm. like get past that part of your mind where it's like, Oh, maybe I can't do that because of this or that. And like, mm-hmm. now, you know, if you really want it, you're going to get there. It, you just have to realize there's going to be trials to get there. And that's life. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what I like to instill in him. is just to just do it anyway. (laughs) I don't don't think I'd be uh, a good
2: South Dakota, South Dakotan at heart if I didn't say a good hard work ethic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys have a, yeah, a process that you work through as like, Hey, we've got this to happen. Or is it just like, Hey, let's just get started. Or do you like, let's plan this out a little bit more. Some people can work well one way or the other, although more productivity might happen a certain way.
2: Yeah. yeah I think, yeah, you know, it's kind of an ongoing process and of sort of visioning out a direction and steps to get to where we want to go. Yeah. And that's like not uncommon. It's a fairly fluid process and things shift on the priority list of when they need to happen and how they need to happen. And, um, but it's, you know, periodic check ins and, and, sh- you know, checking in where we're at and where we want to get to, and, and then just shifting as we go. It's, you know, there was no formal business plan where you're like mapping out a course for growth and, and those stages, they've been loosely penciled in
0: yeah. <laughs> somewhere on
2: a list and then, and then tucked away and then come back to it. So, yeah, s- circling back to that term of being organic, an organic process, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but it's nice to not be locked in to any one thing. Mm-hmm. You realize that it's just not the right time to do this step. So we shifted a little bit further down mm-hmm. the road and work on other mm-hmm. things.
1: Yeah. And you're, you're at the end of the day accountable to yourself and each other. Yeah. Um, you're not accountable to somebody else who's investing in your business or, or anything like that. So that does sometimes change how and when you can and yeah. decide to do things based upon what your needs are. Do you have a like, Hey, this is where we see things or our goal is for three or five years. What, like, where do you see this going? And what do you want for your retreat and yourselves?
0: Um, We want to start doing some more. We are doing some retreats already, but sort of some longer term retreats and also weddings throughout the summer. Um, And I think our long-term goal would be to have maybe five, um, rent, different rentals, uh, scattered throughout our property. (laughs) And, um, but, um, what am I, um i don't know (laughs) finish my thoughts
1: it's it's supposed to be that organic osmosis things where john just kicks in now
0: exactly that's what i'm waiting for (laughs) no pressure what was was the question i (laughs) know
1: well it must not have been that good i guess (laughs) (laughs) sorry know just looking at kind of what your guys's hopes are for yourselves and for your retreats you know in that three to five years kind of where you're where you're heading again course may veer a little bit but where's like hey this is our vision right now
2: yeah i would say that our summer operations and offerings that that ramps up to a, a point that it can be the the bulk of the years income and then mm-hmm. give us more flexibility in the winters to not work so hard mm-hmm. um, w- would be, I think, a realistic goal and an achievable goal. And that creating, you know, more time for, for family time. Cause uh, you know, our son's getting older and it's not going to be that How much How old longer. is your son? He's just about 13.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: And so just trying to create enough time and space where we can have, concentrated time with him and travel with him. Like he's very curious about the world and travel and Mm want to open up that opportunity for him. So creating a a business that can balance our lifestyle.
1: I think you said that just very well, right there, creating a business (laughs) to balance who you guys are and balance your lifestyle, how you want to, how you want to go through life and live it. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think you just said it uh, beautifully, beautifully. Um, so as you started in this venture, what's some of the best advice either one of you might have gotten, or maybe it wasn't just this venture. Maybe it's something earlier in life. That's kind of helped you get to this stage and keeps coming back to you. What might either of you say on that?
2: I think of, I think like my dad gave me some advice once and more in the realm of marriage, but it, it I think it just applies of like, being good to each other, always be good to each other and, and trust each other. Um, and I mean, we're business partners and life partners and, and it can be really challenging, I think, for other people. But I mean, I feel so fortunate that we've got such a great dynamic and, and what I've seen other people struggle with in business, I feel like we've just gotten better and thrived at just being good to each other and, and trusting. yeah yeah
1: anything that you can think of joe
0: anyone Um, who who
1: kind of mentored you or gave you a, a a nugget that you still continue to live by
0: the only thing that comes to mind for me is the advice my dad gave me when i was probably a tween is like don't let any one thing control your life so i guess it's all about balance for And that that stuck with me through the years for sure.
1: Well, I think both of your dads gave you some good, good words of wisdom. And you're definitely, um, you can just tell our our guests might not be able to see this, but on screen, you can tell that there's that trust, that respect and the connection that you two have both to um, being a a family and um, trying to move forward with this dream this dream of how do you create the life that you want?
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: absolutely.
1: <laughs> One quick question on the the art theme. There's a, a painting behind you. Is that you two?
0: <laughs> it looks like us, doesn't it? It no, kind of does look made, like you. Uh, it's a painting <laughs> my mom did. Uh, she went to art school in the 60s, and that's actually from ah, 1968.
1: <laughs> I suppose those art bell bottoms, and there's some good vests going on. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Some go-go boot but type things. It, it yeah. could be
0: us. I mean... Yeah. What kind
1: of look like your hair? You know, it's like, well, I was just curious if, if,
0: yeah. if one of you,
1: <laughs> if, if one of you did that, well, what do you two do? Um, you know, one of the whole reasons behind the podcast that I have is that what we do, how we do it. Um, those are, those are always interesting things, how we can help others. I love the goal of trying to help, you know, how can somebody see clear in their life? How do you two do that for yourselves? What is it you do on a, you know, a day-to-day basis or weekly? Like, this is how I take care of me. Because I know that that whole emotional, psychological, physical, you know, thing is important to you. You wouldn't have this retreat. You wouldn't have lived the life you do.
0: Um,
1: what do you guys do to take care
0: of yourself? Um, I get outside every day. And... Okay. I mean we have trails right here.
1: They're <laughs> so right you- there, right outside the door.
0: <laughs> yep, and also I mean we have this yurt here and we have so many amazing people in our community that use it. Like we have four different yoga teachers and a dance teacher and people who do sound immersions and women's circle and like I participate in most of it.
1: <laughs> so people will come in and like you've got all these amazing activities that actually happen right there on your site that they're renting out they're not staying a lot of times they're not staying there but you do have that as well but that's yeah that's phenomenal
0: mm -hmm, this is more for the community that that whole part you know through the winter we just do community classes all winter so um and we get to participate in those things we have a, a mobile sauna that's parked right next to our yurt right now and it's run by a company called backwoods sauna and they uh they leave it here for the winter and they use it in, in our yurt. And then we use it for different things too. So
1: and do you have massage that comes out once in a while as well? Like a no. massage therapist or anything? No,
0: not here. No, but definitely some good ones in town. Ah,
1: uh, um, And I didn't tell the listeners what a yurt was. Um, So I'm going to, before I get to you, John, I'm going to say like, what is a yurt? Just in case somebody doesn't know.
2: Sure, a, a yurt is actually, it's a traditional structure um, native to Mongolia. In that country, they call them Gehrs. Like, I think it's G-E-H-R, but um, somewhere along the line, they started being called yurts. And it's a, a circular uh, canvas structure with a roof that's, that's conical. And ours comes up to a, like a four foot diameter skylight. Um, so it's a large, feels very open space with um, wonderful daylight coming through the skylight. I mean, there's oftentimes you'll be looking up through the skylight and you'll see birds flying over or the clouds drifting and mm-hmm. drifting by. And it's it's just an incredible space um, and really suits itself well for things like yoga classes and some of the therapeutic offerings that we do here. And, and uh, <clears throat> if, if you ever get the opportunity to experience one there, they're pretty magical. You see them a lot of um, in the U.S. you'll see them in, different park settings or on Airbnb. And I highly recommend finding an opportunity to, to um, experience it because it's a great space.
1: And again, you built that.
2: It's a, so it's a kit. It's a um, kit? Yep, there's You still several. do like all the
1: base work, right?
2: Oh yeah, yeah I built yeah. A, a foundation and floor and assembled yeah. the whole thing. So it's, yeah, it's helpful to be a carpenter and not be afraid of geometry.
1: That's that's wise too, not to be afraid. Yeah, yes. not to be afraid of that. But you do sometimes need to know what you're doing in order to get one of those up correctly. I'm presuming.
2: Yep. yep. Yes. Sometimes How about- sometime you you got to go backwards to go forwards. Undo <laughs>
1: Another- <laughs> um,
2: things to to fix the things, the mistakes you made. But-
1: Fix the things. Yes. And then the respect and trust from the other partner to be like, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did you you, you got that one. <laughs> oh fun. How about you, John? What do you do to take care of you? What what helps kind of help you see yourself clearly?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, for me, outdoor activity, um, I'm not nearly as good at the consistency of it as as Joe is, but I uh I got to get out and just blow the cobwebs out of my brain by riding my bike, my mountain bike, or going skiing, cross-country skiing, um, ski touring. Um, But then since we've started hosting classes here, I've been doing yoga about once a week. And that's the single, one of the single best things I've done for myself, especially as I get older. Um, I'm not nearly as flexible as I used to be. um, And that's been so good. And. And makes my body feel so much better.
1: Mm. So from the physical aspect, anything you guys do from the like mental, I mean, physical does help mental, I get that. But how do you stay current, fresh? What are the resources that you use to like, hey, this is how I grow myself as a person, but as a professional entrepreneur, um, retreat owner?
0: Yeah. uh, You mean, staying mentally sound and and balanced there's that that too but Mm -hmm. how do you find out
1: like how do you further educate yourself on hey I want us to be bringing in this or I want to be looking at this or you've got uh, a group or a society or something that you're like hey I'm part of this that helps mentally stimulate you for this uh, entrepreneurship that you have going
0: i see what you're saying um yeah well just being able to network in the area um with all these different practitioners has been really um mm-hmm. good for growth that way um mm-hmm. other than that it's you know audiobooks <laughs> podcasts <laughs> and uh reading and just trying and trying to do a daily meditation mm-hmm. yeah
2: I, I i think the the word of mouth is such a powerful thing. And the more people who know what we're doing, the more people come up and say, hey, you know, I've got a friend with this skill set and mm-hmm. we make a connection and create an opportunity for them to do what they do here. And just all of those experiences, yeah. you know, it's sort of that snowball effect of, mm-hmm. of interconnectedness that, that that's created. And it's a community aspect. It's really... Mm-hmm. It's really pretty incredible for the size of a community we live in, Mm -hmm. you know, Salmo is about 1,500 people, 1,200 to 1,500 people. Mm -hmm. It's incredible how many skilled people there are from, you know, from meditation and life coaching Mm -hmm. and alternative healing methodologies. It's We're really fortunate to have so many skilled people. We just want to create a space where that can
0: happen. And music too. Music's sort of a part of it uh, recently, especially, but yeah, lots of good musicians around and we have uh, hosting uh, yurt jams once in a while as well. So
1: truly by doing this, that was a dream of yours from a long time ago. You've actually, even though you may not quote unquote be traveling as much, you truly have expanded your world in a Mm. whole different method that it sounds like you didn't even realize was going to happen when you started this by opening Um, your doors to, to the community and others. So your, your family, your growth, your quote unquote adventure has just gotten bigger, even though it's right there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Good point. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Beautiful. Um, John and Joe, uh, thank you so much for spending time with me today. And I hope that um, as this podcast gets out, more people will be hearing about the special things that you have going on um, in British Columbia and up by Salmo with your retreat and uh, that others can help find it as a space to yes, decompress, get away, um, and find that find silence, yet to help their mind um, become maybe a little bit more active in a in a productive way. You guys have been awesome, um, and I hope that uh, we can help you out. So thank you for joining me, sharing your story, and uh, helping my listeners uh, understand another world of entrepreneurship and helping us uh, see the world more clearly. Thank, thank you so much. Very
0: much.